Amen, amen. And all God's people said, amen. Well, hey, high school fuse, how are we feeling tonight? Good, good. Hey, I need to really quick uh, say an extra special welcome to our campuses down at the coast, Charleston, Hilton Head, Myrtle Beach, Anderson, and all of our upstate campuses. Why don't you make some noise really quick for our campuses down at the coast? Because tonight is actually their first night of high school fuse because they were surviving the hurricane last week with, um, you know, candlelight and uh, getting to actually sleep in an extra bit. But I'm glad you all are safe and uh, back with us tonight. If you're ready to gather around the word of God tonight, I need you to say yes. Amen. Amen. All right, Josh, thank you for bringing the spirit. He's here now, so um, we can just get around what he has for us tonight. Well, hey, like I said, welcome to every campus to High School Fuse. This is actually the first time I'm getting to just talk to uh, just y'all. And I'm telling you, I've had an extra level of excitement and expectation um, thinking about this season of our ministry, thinking about what it means for just high schoolers to be in the room together and to catch us up all to speed, uh, whether you missed last week or whether you just need reminding if your memory is uh, as short as, as mine is. But if you're missing it, let me just pause you for a second, all high schoolers, and tell you God is doing something special right now. I would dare say biblical even. Because you see, um, once upon a time, many, many years ago, there was a group of people who, uh, who just fell in love with this man, Jesus Christ. And maybe there was less of them in a room than there is now in whatever campus you're in, but they just fell in love with Jesus. And after that realization, then they just gathered around the foundation of this word right here, and they believed in its truth, and they committed to community and to breaking bread together and uh, to doing life together, and they believed in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Acts 17 actually tells us that because of those things, that these men and women turned the world upside down. So high school fuse, okay, leaned in. Gone are the days of us just coming to fuse on a Wednesday night. Gone are the days of us just showing up and you getting the little fluttery feeling in your stomach during that one part of so will I, and that's your spiritual high for the week to get you to the next fuse. No, me, Caleb, your fuse group leaders, every single week when you show up, we're going to base our lives on the same foundation of our faith forefathers because you have the same thing inside of you to turn the world completely upside down. You have it. It is in you. And if you're new at Fuse and you're like, do they always start like this? Apparently it's the new norm. Yes, because you get, you get shallow stuff all day. All right? You get the shallow mess all day long. But the depths and the riches and the goodness of God are too good for us to keep playing around in the shallows. 
all right? It's time for you to swim out into the deep end together as we dig into this word. This is why us and your Fuse Group leaders are gonna keep texting you, are gonna keep bothering you, are gonna keep texting you a verse, are gonna keep challenging you to pray in front of group together because we know you have this in you. So we're gonna do that every single week. High School Fuse, it's time to step up. This is what Fuse is about. It's what our legacy is about. So we thought the best way to start that journey of just us, just high schoolers in a room, is to spend several weeks talking about the way of following Jesus, right? You always hear like us up here, like follow Jesus, just say yes to Jesus, follow Jesus. And I remember being in high school and like my leader saying that to me, I'm like, yeah, how do I do that? Like, how do you actually, which way is he going? So for the next few weeks, we're going to just specifically look at how to follow Jesus, to base our whole lives on the foundation of following him. Because I promise you, nothing in life will fulfill you like this life of following Jesus. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) So last week, um, Caleb started, it off, started us off beautifully with just an introduction, or if you will, for many of us who feel like we've already been introduced to Jesus, a reintroduction to Jesus Christ and how beautiful he is. He, he talked about the difference, you know, in that one piece of paper that separates the Old Testament and the New Testament. You remember this, him talking about it, that for 400 years in that one little page, God was silent. Some of y'all can't stay silent for 40 seconds, much less God who stayed silent for 400 years. But then we have this piercing cry of a baby in a cave. Think about that for a second, that the first voice of God. Now an angel had visited Mary and an angel had visited Joseph, but the first utterance of the voice of God after 400 years of silence is the piercing cry of a baby in a tomb. That blew my mind today as I was preparing for this, how piercing to the ears of the enemy and how encouraging to the ears of weary saints who had been waiting for God to show up. And so finally, here we have him. Jesus Christ in our midst, Emmanuel, God with us. And then he leaves us with a few messages um, once he has grown up, not as a baby. If he could speak in full sentences, that'd be pretty amazing. Um, But later on, he leaves us with a few messages because here's where we're gonna pick up tonight that we've been introduced to Jesus, the crux of our faith, the, the God with us, years and years and years of waiting, all of scripture pointing to the moment when God would show up and finally be among us. And then he says, now follow me. And he leaves us with this message that we're going to be looking at the next few weeks. So if you do have, you have your Bible at every campus, go ahead and hold your swords up. Yes. Okay. Y'all are getting better at this. Okay. Bring your Bible, bring your journal. This is called paper and it is something that we used to use back in the day to write on. All right. So bring your Bible. It's amazing. Underline in it, write in it. I think God's pleased with it. Okay. It's not a sin. Um, But we're going to look at this uh, scripture in John 17. 
of what Jesus leaves us with as far as the whole goal of life, okay? The point of life. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and it says this. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I'm gonna read that one more time because I still hear pages turning and honestly, I think the angels are rejoicing that the sound of actual Bible pages turning sounds better to them than maybe some of our singing voices, okay? So John 17, three, I'm gonna read it one more time. <clears throat> and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If you have ever wondered the purpose of your life, your life's destination, your ultimate satisfaction, its ultimate goal, its ultimate treasure and prize, this is it. You were made to know God intimately, deeply, and truly. And God wants you to know him that way. The question is, how? Like, how do we get to know him? I can't ask him to go and hang out at Starbucks one-on-one and buy me a pumpkin spice latte because tis the season. And candidly, I don't love them, but shout out to white girls, you know, like they're here. But he says, okay, if that's the goal in life, how do I get there? And then he says this in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. So with these two scriptures, here is kind of the banner over the series, and I hope the banner over your life, it is this. Jesus can show us the way because Jesus is the way. Jesus can show us the way to live, the way to get to know God, the way to live in intimacy with him because Jesus is the way because he told us so. God has not left us to our own devices, to our own guesses. God does not want you confused. He doesn't want you stumbling around. He left us clear directions through the person of Jesus Christ in order for us to follow. So since last week we covered directions, uh, excuse me, we covered introductions to this. Tonight, I want to start this journey with us, okay? Jesus can show us the way, then there has to be a place to start, right? Every journey has a starting point, in which to follow from. So um, so in order to introduce this, I have uh, what might be an ancient relic to many of us uh, to show you on the screen. So y'all check this out. That is a a mall directory map, okay? Anybody still go to the mall at every campus, show of hands? All right, no, you're like uh, Amazon Prime, baby, all day. My mom got it and I just be clicking that purchase button. All right. So this is a mall directory map. We got the uh, Cinema Cafe, um, which that sounds like I get to watch a movie and eat at the same time, which I am about. Um, We've got a Dillard's, a Macy's, um, JCPenney, I love your style. I haven't been to JCPenney in, I don't know, a decade. Um, But can anybody tell me what is missing from this directory map? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> okay, that's right. We're in church in the South. You're not wrong. Um, what else is missing off of this map? Anybody know? Jesus. All right, yeah, okay. Okay, no, 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 I'll tell you. I'll tell you, tell you, tell you. Jesus is missing from this map. 
What's missing from this map is the you are here sticker, right? You walk up to the directory and what you're looking for at the beginning is the, okay, I want to go to the cinema cafe to watch the new Downton Abbey movie and eat, you know, 12 pounds of popcorn, but I got to know where I am in order to know how to get there, right? It's missing the you are here sticker. All right, you can take that down. Many of us right now in our walk with Jesus are just wandering around lost because you're missing your you are here sticker. You don't have a point of orientation of where you currently are. So you're like, I think I'm supposed to read my Bible, and I think I'm supposed to confuse, and I think I'm supposed to do this. But you've never oriented yourself of where you currently are now so that you can get to this eternal life of knowing God that Jesus said is the only place we're ever meant to live. So tonight, if you're taking notes, the, the um, title of tonight's message is Start Here, okay? Start here. I'm giving you the starting point. If Jesus can show us the way because he is the way, I believe tonight he's going to talk to us about, hey, if you're going to follow me on this way, start right here. So we're going to start here tonight, and um, we're going to start with the scripture that all of us read at every campus. Shout out to all the high schoolers who just read scripture in front of your friends. Told you you were bold. Actually, let me pause for a second. This isn't my message, but I just want to say this. Many of you are going to get to read scripture in front of your peers and over your peers over the next few weeks and months and years and fews. And even as I was back here listening to my friend Jackson here and Anderson read scripture, the Spirit spoke this to me, fews. If you will keep the word of God in your mouth, then you will never fail. You will never fail. So people who just read scripture at every campus, don't let that be the only time this week that you hear your mouth declare the word of God. All right, so this scripture um, for tonight, Matthew three thirteen through 17, I know I already read it, but we're gonna read it again. Let me set the stage. Jesus has grown up now. Okay, so we've jumped from Jesus in a manger to Jesus at like 30-ish years old. Uh, no more manger and diapers. Uh, he's a grown, unless, never mind. And he's a grown man, but he's been kind of quiet according to scripture. And he bursts onto the scene after 30 years of not hearing much with one of the most beautiful pictures of how he starts his journey of ministry with the Father. So let's look at Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then... Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John was a prophet. John was also Jesus's cousin who had been preparing the way of the Lord. He'd been out in the desert, so probably somewhere in like the middle of Columbia. It was probably that hot, uh, declaring that God was coming and he was preparing the way. So he came to be baptized by John, and John would have prevented him saying, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when, think about this, again, we've done wonder series, we've done dream like a child. Okay, take your imagination here if you were standing on the banks of the Jordan River when this happened. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, Okay, side note, point, when you are reading scripture and the word behold comes up, you need to lean in closer and read slowly because God is literally going, look. Some of y'all just yanked your heads up. Yeah, you weren't listening, now you are now. Look, because what I'm about to tell you is amazing. 
So behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, look, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, for just the next few minutes, I'm going to unpack for us what we need to take away from the scripture of this beautiful picture of Jesus being baptized. Because we've all heard, I'm sure, of baptism before. How many actually at each campus have been baptized? Raise your hands. Come on, y'all. We got some Christians up in here. Um, Maybe you've seen somebody get baptized. Many of you are going to sign up for baptism tonight because the voice of the Father is going to speak to you that this is your next step. But why would Jesus start with this? Why would this be his starting point of reference? So I just have two things tonight to teach us about baptism, to hopefully reveal to us about ourselves, and then we're gonna get to celebrate with some students at Fuse tonight who are gonna go public in baptism. Come on. So just two things really quick. Number one, why would Jesus start here? Well, I think this, because baptism shows the world that I have given myself to God. Baptism shows the world that I have given myself to God. Um, I was chatting with a younger student recently, um, and I was asking them, so what did it, they had all said they had gotten saved, so I said, what did it feel like when you got saved? Like, what did that feel like? Expecting like just these holy answers. You know, I felt like I just, God's grace overwhelmed me. I just, I just felt like all this peace. And this sweet girl looks at me and says, I felt like he was drowning me. And I was like, like in his love? Like, I don't, explain this to me. Um, And she said, well, whoever like was, was saving me when he put me under the water, it felt like he was drowning me. And I was like, oh, okay, you've just gotten confused. You've confused salvation with baptism, okay? So let me be very clear, and that's no shade on her. Like, we have done her a disservice by not explaining baptism clearly to her. Salvation and baptism are not the same. What saves you is you declare Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, and he is the only way, okay? That saves you. Baptism is a lot like a wedding ring. Now, I know what wedding rings are. I have not yet experienced one, okay? Um, But I, some of you snickered a little too hard. But if I, a single lady, were to put a wedding ring on tonight, would that mean I am married? No. No. That doesn't, I mean, that'd be nice, but that doesn't mean that I'm married, okay? A wedding ring is simply a symbol to the world that I have given my life to someone else and committed to them forever, all right? So baptism is that sign to the world that I have given my life to God to live it in submission to him forever. So what Jesus is doing in this moment, how do we need to start this way of following Jesus is by giving myself completely and fully over to the hand of God. 
Now, how many of y'all remember last week that Caleb said that all of Scripture had pointed to the moment that Jesus would show up, that all of Scripture was like a great preview of pointing to Jesus showing up in the New Testament, okay? We remember this? Well, Jesus is even showing this later. He says to everyone in the book of Hebrews that what he is doing is submitting his self to God the Father. Let's look at this in Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. (coughs) Hebrews 10, 5 through 7 says this. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. That's so good. I'm going to read it in one more translation in Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. In the Passion Translation says this. So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, Since your ultimate desire, God the Father, was not another animal sacrifice, not just ritual, not just going through the motions in order to cover sins, but you've clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. Think about this from these scriptures. Jesus, though he had no sin to repent of, he would never have sin to repent of, starts his journey with this act of baptism. And in doing so, he shows that he was what the Old Testament had been prophesying about, and he would submit himself over and over and over again to the will of the Father. And listen, initially in this point, I had said baptism shows that we have given our life to God, But for whatever reason, I just feel like that's overused right now. Like, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. Can I ask you a question then? then? Humbly but lovingly, why does it seem like that your life is still lived for you? Okay, let me ask it on this side because this side didn't listen. I'll come to this side. When we say that we have given our life to Jesus, then why does it look like your life still belongs to you? Why do your decisions still look the same? Why do your thought patterns still look the same? Why do your dating relationships still look the same? Hello. Why does your schoolwork still look the same? Why do your friend groups still look the same? If you, as many of you said in this room, I have given my life to Jesus and I have been baptized. The moment you come out of that water, you've said my life no longer belongs to me. Means I don't get to do just what I want to do. And if Jesus Christ, anybody in here better than Jesus? No. If Jesus Christ chose baptism to show, I am submitting myself to the will of the Father that no matter what he asks me to do, no matter where he asks me to go, no matter who he asks me to talk to, no matter how many times he tells me not to date, you know, Jesus never had a girlfriend, okay? Just... I know that sounds like you, he's asking you to go to the cross, but he already did that. Some of y'all just need to stop. Okay, never mind. But you know what I'm saying? He was saying, my life no longer belongs to me. I've lost it inside of someone else. When you get baptized, Jesus is showing us, I've given my whole self to God the Father. 
And I wrote this down, and so I just wanted to read it <clears throat> for us. There is nothing more powerful on earth than a life continually laid down in submission to God. I'm gonna say that one more time because apparently you aren't listening because I thought I'd get like two amens of people who have submitted their life to God. Okay, I'm gonna read it one more time. There is nothing more powerful on this earth than a life continually laid down in submission to God. Okay, because when you got saved, you committed to submit your life to God the Father, his will, his plan, his ways. Baptism shows the world, I've done that. I'm ready to go all in. The people who are getting baptized at some of our campuses are going, I think I'm ready. Okay, so we're gonna go um, to point number two. Not only does baptism, and this is, I'm stoked about this. Okay, baptism shows that I've given myself to God. That can sound like a lot, but not when it's under the filter of point number two. Baptism shows the world that God has given his identity to me. <laughs> this is awesome. Baptism shows the world that God has given his identity to me. Look at this scripture again, okay? Think about this. Jesus gets baptized, immediately he comes up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Pause. Jesus has not performed a miracle. He has not preached a message. He has not walked on water. He has not healed a leper. He has done nothing of notoriety yet on the earth. And God the Father looks at him and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And for every student in the room and leader, this has been my prayer tonight as I've been praying over this message, that you would hear Father God speak over you. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And this is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. But God, you, yeah, remember what I did last week. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. But God, they're speaking those lies about me. I feel so torn down. Do you remember what that man did to me? This is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. For the rest of your life, you've got to come back to this starting point of your identity in Jesus Christ. Because for the rest of your life, you know what the enemy is coming after? Your identity in Jesus Christ. The world is going to try to overcomplicate it. They're going to try to tell you your certain things. Even when you become a mom, the title of mom is going to try to come over the title of daughter. And daughter always comes first. Even if you become a successful businessman and have a Fortune 500 company, and I don't even know what that means, but I think it's a pretty big deal. Your first identity is son of God with whom he is well pleased. If you do not get this starting point, you will never move past and forward into the life that God has for you. I'm 31 years old. I got saved when I was 19, and I still trip up over this. I got baptized here at New Spring Church. I was saved at Anderson University. And still, even now, the devil tries to trip me up with this. You know, if you don't preach very good tonight, um, they're not going to let you preach anymore. And God's probably not going to be that pleased. I was on my face in my room today because I was like, wanted to beat my head against the floor. Just like, 
why is this still a thing? Because for us, the starting point in our Christianity is actually each footstep that is paid for us the rest of our lives. I submit myself to God, and he identifies himself with me. You know, God's not ashamed to claim you. I've been ashamed to claim God. But you know, even in the moments where I've been ashamed to claim God, he's never been ashamed to claim me. He's never been ashamed to claim you. He speaks over you tonight, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, come back. Come back to the starting way of what it means to live in perfect identity with me. Because 1 John 3, 1 says this. I kind of hurt my head when I hit it with the microphone. Hey, Fuse, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. I'm just going to read that portion again one more time. Young men, young women, old men, old women. See again what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And listen, I know love in our generation, in our context, gets very watered down. Yeah, I love this. I love that. I love pizza. I love the... Tigers. I love her. Okay. I love, you know. But so much of our definition of love follows our feelings. God, his love for you is not based on feelings or circumstances or how you behave or what you do. His definition of love is just who he is. He loves you because he cannot help himself. It's who he is. You are loved. You are loved, you're like, yeah, I know. Can I just tell you something? If, if I can say to you, God loves you, and you go, yeah, I know, then you don't know. You've never had that revelation. And I've been begging God that he would show you tonight. Because again, I'm 31, I've been walking with the Lord since I was 19, and today, legitimately, I was in, the bed, in my bedroom on the floor crying, and not because it was a massive revelation that I got from, you know, Philemon chapter one, like, not that, it was literally, I was just overwhelmed with the thought of, again, that you love me? Like, that much? You're not ashamed to be seen with me. You talk to other people about me. That makes me blush every time. When someone comes up to me like, hey, God was talking to me about you. And I was like, he was? (laughs) What did he say? (laughs) You're always on God's mind. He talks to other people about you. But he wants to talk to you about you every day for the rest of your life. God the Father wasn't after Jesus' behavior. He was after the relationship. And Jesus showed us this is where we have to start. If you don't get this, then none of the rest of the stuff will matter. You'll come back for the next seven weeks and it won't mean anything if you don't get this. 
So my prayer tonight is that many of us get ruined in this room by this reality. So where are we going to start? This is my last point, and then we'll move on. Start here. This is it. This is the, the paving, the guardrails, the direction, the road signs. This is it. Start here. I can live for God because I am loved by God. Start here. Every single day, start here. I can live for God because I am loved by God. And tomorrow morning when you wake up, you let this be the banner over your heart. I can live for God today at T.L. Hannah High School because I am loved by God. I can live for God today in that locker room because I am loved by God. I can live for God today in my family, even though none of them know Jesus. They're all just turned off to the gospel. But I can live for him because I am loved by God. We obey quickly who we trust deeply. And we tend to trust deeply those we know love us fully. If your obedience to Christ feels like a begrudging submission, you don't yet get it how much he loves you. Because obedience is fun when it's lived in a loving relationship. So here's my question to end tonight. We started with the you are here sticker. My question to you is, where are you? This is where we're starting. Submitting to God by knowing that we're loved by God. Where are you? Do you understand that? Have you ever understood that? Has there been a time where you were baptized, but you've gone off the trail and tried to earn love from other people? It's time to come back to the start tonight. We're realigning ourselves tonight. We're reacclimating to the truth of the gospel tonight. So where are you? Let's reorient tonight. Let's come back to the start together, Fuse. So here's what I would love to do. You can close your notebooks and uh, put your Bibles away. But we're about to do the most important part, so please don't start shuffling around. If your neighbor's kind of asleep, just kind of hit him on the elbow. The Holy Spirit can preach a better message in 30 seconds than I could in the last 30. So with all eyes closed, I want you to ask the Spirit of God right now, where am I? And if you, if God's like, we're good, praise the Lord. But if something immediately comes to mind that needs to be resubmitted to him, it's time to do that tonight, to come back to the start. So specifically right now, um, here's the, the first invitation that I want to give. Um, and it may seem pretty simple, but I believe there's probably quite a few people, if they're bold enough to admit it, have really been doubting this. Whether you believed it once or you've never believed it, and tonight you need prayer to believe that God actually loves you and that you're not overlooked and that you're not um, ignored or forgotten by him. Would you just raise your hand over your head tonight all across the room, every campus, all across the state, way up high. <clears throat> and I'm just gonna pray over you right now that um, the spirit of God would speak to you even now in this week. 
Father, you see every hand raised, whether it's a volunteer or a student. And I'm praying this week that as they pause to have time with you, as they reflect on who you are, even now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them. You're my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You're my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. Stop trying so hard and just let me love you. Would they be overwhelmed by it right now? In Jesus' name. And with eyes still closed, I do want to give one more invitation that maybe you just raised your hand because you're doubting God loves you, but that's because you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, and hey, we've got pools set up at many campuses so we can get you saved tonight and we can get you baptized. It's a two for one deal this evening. So if you know that you need to start a relationship with Jesus, you've never proclaimed him as Lord, then right now, would you just lift your hand up over your head? across every campus, across the state. Anybody needs to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And volunteers, if you see anyone with their hands raised, just go ahead and tap them on the shoulder. We're just gonna go have a conversation with you about what that looks like to start a relationship with him. Praise God. And while they're doing that, I'm going to invite everyone, everybody uh, to look up at me because here's what we're about to do. I just preached a message that students are about to show you of what it means to say, I'm with Jesus and he's with me and I'm submitting my life to him for the rest of my days because I'm all in. It's too late now. I'm in the pool. We're going. So listen, y'all know how we do at New Spring and at Fuse when these people are, are brought up out of the water, you better celebrate, you better lose your mind, and hey, don't just admire their faith, imitate it. It takes boldness to stand up in front of y'all and say stuff, speaking from experience. So it's gonna take boldness for them to share their stories in front of you tonight, but we're gonna celebrate with them at every campus that they are standing with Jesus tonight and committing their life to him. So as we do that, even before we go in, I'm gonna invite everybody to start the celebration early. Clap your hands right now and make some noise for those who are getting baptized.